Okay, we, and you know, this December hasn't even started, but this is the first week of Advent. So we're taking a break from 2 Corinthians that we're walking through, and we're going to take some time to think about the coming of Christ. Now, Jesus didn't come in December. We know that. He probably came sometime in the spring uh, and not in this season. But this is the season we step back and we think about the wonder. And, and it's well worth the time to pause sort of our walking through Corinthians because our Savior came to us. It's so amazing. It's why we're here. It's why we sing these songs. You know, God united with human, beginning united with end, earth united with heaven, Jew and Gentile united in Jesus, life into death, death overcome, resurrection ahead, all because Jesus came. Amazing. You know, there's lots of ways that the world kind of tries to take that down, distract us. (laughs) I can't. It's not like my dog. My dog loves squirrels. It's almost like, you know, squirrel, and the dog runs for for the tree, right? It's not really like that. It's a slow thing. We know Jesus is important. We know that he's the center, but it becomes so familiar. We know the story. And the world starts creeping in. With, and one thing is commercialization. You know all that stuff. You know, we start loving the stuff that we give at Christmas and the gifts and the, 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 the paper and, and, and those sorts of things. But what I hope for sometimes is more nuanced than that, not just some new widget for my life. Sometimes it's, I really long for better relationships with my family. And, you know, Christmas has become about reestablishing family connection. You gather around again and get mad at everybody again. Or Christmas becomes about, you know, this peace on earth, goodwill towards men in sort of a generic way. The, the feeling of the season, the pretty lights, the, the things that kind of make us give a warm fuzzy. That's not bad. None of that's bad, right? But, but it takes away. That's not the point. Unless you realize that the statement, peace on earth and goodwill towards men, was, was proclaimed by the angel saying, hey, wow, this is a statement of who Jesus is. So my goal today is to kind of help us to start this season where we start thinking about Christ and, 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 and to rediscover a piece of that together. I think for me personally, my time on earth, Christmas has become more about having goodwill in society, doing kind things, reflecting good on people because Jesus was good, kind of a soft push towards becoming a kinder people. Overcoming sadnesses and out of focus warmness, and, and, and we think we've got the, the, the Jesus part already, and so it becomes kind of boring. It becomes sort of passe. Jesus is a little bit, in this sense, kind of a, well, I'll, I'll put it the other way Santa is kind of a pale image of Jesus. I know Jesus is better, but Santa has that, you know, give good gifts to people, especially if they've been good to you. So I. I I want to introduce us again to the shocking story. It's a shocking story. Like it should, it should be, today, I, I hope once again, you're like, oh, God did that? <laughs> because it's that kind of story that we encounter in the amazing gift who is God. You know, sometimes people say, well, you start loving the gift too much and not the giver. No, what, what if the gift is the giver and they're the same? And he gave himself. What does that mean? 
the most important event in history, prophesied ages ago, the seed come to crush the serpent's head. Right? The seed of Abraham through which all the nations will be blessed. The forever king on the throne of David. The, the Old Testament's full of pointing forward to Jesus. That's not very shocking. What's shocking is the story. So, here's my hope for us. Not that we'd have a fun end to the year, a hope for a better widget for our lives, a more efficient life, a renewed relationship with my family. I, all that stuff is fun. I but that you would be grounded in what hope really is. The assurance of this Jesus. So we get to start that. I want to, so I have a couple I know on your outline. We go this way. What we're going to do is we're going to hit a little bit of the story in the Gospels of Jesus, mostly in Matthew and Luke, because that's the longest part of the story. And just consider a few things from it. Not, 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 not give you a, a comprehensive recounting. We don't get to tell it lots this season, but... But I want to start with this piece about it seems not what it should be. So first, powerless and improper, right? I mean, I, I hope you agree with me after you see the story. So in John 1, first, first, if I can get it to change. I don't know. We're having trouble with slides. Go ahead and go. There it is. Okay. No, don't see the baby yet. Okay. Here's John. Right? This is the John account when Jesus came. It started, and John puts this amazing truth about Jesus and, and him coming. It says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Many of us have memorized this verse. It's a fantastic verse. So you see that, and you go, Oh, what is he going to look like? And if what you knew of Jesus was that... I know, at least I hope I know, kind of with you, what he would, he would be shining like the sun. He would be like, okay, who's your favorite Marvel character? Thor? I don't, the Hulk? Something massive and powerful and amazing. <coughs> not the Hulk. He's not smart enough. No, it's got to be somebody who's like, he's, he's just like power incarnate, the only son from the Father, seen as glory and it's shining and strong. And my, Superman, maybe? I know that's not Marvel. I didn't know that, but my kid told me. So there's the thing, right? It's like he's got to be some massive, amazing, and then you see Jesus and it presents Jesus and he's coming and he's like a baby. Uh, uh, not that baby. Don't get mad at me. I didn't put a picture of Jesus on this slide. We don't know what he looked like. We're not told. But, but he came as a baby, right? I delivered babies. What's remarkable about a baby? Well, gloriously bright and strong. No! Right? You're talking about something little. Oh, but they're so cute. No, they're not. Sorry. If it's your baby, yes. Mom, you can love your baby. You think it's the cutest baby ever. But we're talking about a baby that's actually born at that moment. It comes with like blood and water. No, it's not particularly beautiful. It's a life. It's amazing. It's cool. But I wouldn't say glorious, right? This is God. It's not, he's not fully formed. He has to grow. He's got to learn. I know you've got these accounts. They're apocryphal accounts. They're not in the Bible. Jesus is a baby. He never cried. Whatever. Babies cry. That's natural, not sin that they cry. That's how they express things. So, so this whole deal is like, wait a minute. Particularly what a baby is, is dependent. He needs, he doesn't feed himself. 
He's at his mom's breast eating. If you leave him alone, he'll die. There's no one more dependent than a baby. So God became dependent on other weak people. God had told me, well, this story's different than I thought it was going to be. That's remarkable. He didn't have to, right? Do you ever think about that? Why the primary image of Jesus isn't a powerful one, but the small dependent one? God's most powerful action. Do you know what it looks like? Common. How many babies are born now? 385,000 babies a day. 100 million plus, 140 million a year. This like happens all the time. Jack's not this one. Yeah, I know. But I'm just kind of saying that I, when I think about God and his glory and how he's going to even act in my life, I think it's going to be about like, like bombs going off. Not like normal action 101 with a dependent baby. That's, that's just a start. We're just getting going. This incredible story that ought to shock us every time we hear it because God did this. <coughs> Sorry, I've got a cold. You say, okay, well, think it through with me, right? It's a babe, fine. But, but it's a royal babe, Dax. This is God. Yeah, you're right, he's God. Jesus Christ is fully God and fully man. Finest of the fine, right? Best of the best. So I think, except God doesn't do it like I do it. It's not just the babe. It's how he comes, right? Let's, let's hop over to Matthew's account. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ as our Savior, here's his birth. It took place this way, Matthew writes in chapter 1. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Again, verses we know so well. Isn't that a great euphemism? She was found. Who found her? Well, her gynecologist. No, her parents, right? Her parents found her and said, you're pregnant. She might even say, what's pregnancy? She's that young. She's 14, right? Oh, my. That's not like some, oh, how fabulous. Generally, mom and dad, not so happy. Out of wedlock pregnancy. I mean, not that you don't love the child and love your daughter, but it's not like, oh, look what we found. We found a diamond. No, you found out your kid's pregnant. You're like, what have you been doing? It's a scandal. It's a scandal. People would talk. People would make assumptions. They, they wouldn't think well of Mary or the child, right? Not in this culture. That's what the Bible says, doesn't it? I mean, look at, look at Joseph. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. You have been shameful. This child is a product of shame. This is God at work. Why does he announce it in the sky? My child is here. Instead, what he does is allow people to think. It actually takes an act of God to overcome Joseph's assumptions. We'll read it, but quickly. As he considered these things, an angel of the Lord appeared, behold, in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, don't fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. This, uh, yeah, fabulous, right? We could keep going, but we won't right now. Yes, Jesus, amazing Jesus, time-altering, life-altering, everything-centered Jesus. God has him right smack in the middle of everyone thinking he's an out-of-wedlock kid. 
in a culture where that's utterly shameful. Joseph will take her as his wife. That makes people make a whole nother set of assumptions, right? About Joseph's character and Mary's character because she's pregnant and they aren't married yet. This, this is God. Well, God doesn't act that way. He did. It's not that he doesn't. He did. This is the story. This is the treasured story. Maybe in our day and age we miss this. Maybe you need to see the king of king comes in the midst of scandal. Of worries. About low morals and weak-willed creatures and wrongness. Not in mighty courts of clear purity and fine reputations. We get so worried about reputations. Not, not a diss on good works. But the actual work of God is about the work of God in the midst of fallenness and what appears to be fallenness. And it doesn't look glorious. And yet we know from the word of God, this is the glory of God. His glory doesn't look like I think it ought to look. It's not sin. It was done precisely in the way that would be condemned and finger-wagged and shaken-headedness. And it doesn't matter because God was at work. That's what you need, right? God at work. This is the plan of God. It's not a mistake. I mean, look at what the text said. It's not a mistake. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. That, oh, did I miss it? Did I stop right there? Let me just read it. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Hey, always the plan, right? But we skip over that it was planned in this context where everyone looking in is like, wrong bad, not good, scandal. Jesus is a savior, no matter what the world thinks. So, powerless seemingly, a baby. Improper seemingly, I mean scandalous. Now think with me for a minute, God's not done. Think with me about the location. I mean, you could say, well, Dax, you're kind of reading in. We should read it another way. No, if it gets over and over and over, you're kind of going, well, God's doing this on purpose. Then we've got to think about what it means. Here's the next thing. Insignificant, inadequate. Doesn't it seem like this? Let me talk about insignificant for a minute. We'll hop over to Luke's part of the story. This is Luke chapter 2, the beginning of Luke chapter 2, verse 1. It says, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. The story of Jesus, right? This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria and all went to be registered, each to his own town. This is the account of Jesus' birth from Luke. It starts with the decree that everyone has to be registered. It sounds like a random thing, but there's no random with God. It's not, right, what it means for Joseph and Mary because Joseph went up from Galilee from the town of Nazareth to Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. Okay, it's not rocket science I'm trying to point out to you right here. It's really important for Luke that you know through these random circumstances that Jesus is going to be born in the house of David, that city of David. We talked last week about how cool it is. It was, literally means the house of bread. Jesus, our bread. 
But that's not the detail that comes out, right? Not the detail that prophetically it fulfills. We know it fulfills prophecy. What prophecy? Well, Micah chapter 5, verse 2. What's that? Here it is. Look at this. But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who's to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from old, from ancient days. What does that guy want you to know? What does God, through Micah the prophet, want you to know about Bethlehem? You're too little to be called anything. You're nothing. But that, that's the peace. That's what you're supposed to do. Our minds go to the Christmas song, Oh, Little Town of Bethlehem. Well, Bethlehem, it's not a palace. It's not important. It's, 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 that's the descriptor. You're too little to be among the clans of Judah. You're a little hamlet. You're a little out-of-the-way hick village. I didn't think that Steve was going to be here today, so I'll just say it's like being from concrete. It's tiny. There he goes. He just left. I love you, Steve. That's it, right? Out of you, Nowhereville, comes the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. In fact, we got you there so that you'd be born there in Nowhereville. Make sure you're not being born up in Nazareth or Galilee. And let's keep you far away from Jerusalem. Let's put you in littleness. Because God comes in smallness. No, he doesn't. Yes, he does. When it came time for the most special of special, when it came time for the Savior, Dependent, powerless, seemingly improper, little. Right? God's not at work in the big, strong, moral stalwarts. God's at work in Nowhereville with nowhere people. But they are something by the presence of God. How could that be clearer than where he was born? So, chapter 2, verse 7 This is Mary. She gave birth to her firstborn son, that's Jesus, and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. I mean, we've... You know this. I know you know it. It just packed this little place. It's not that they were rudely turned away or anything, except this is the beginning and the end. The Alpha and the Omega. This is the King of Kings. This is the Prince of Peace. This is the Lord of Hosts. This is the Lion of Judah. This is the One. And you get this picture of him being born to a nobody in the middle of nowhere and being wrapped in rough clothes and being laid in a drinking trough for animals. You you can object saying, well, you know, probably it's more like a hut than a manger, Dax. It's probably a cave. Okay. I don't mind any of that because it still makes the same point. It's nothing. There's no royalty. Well, the wise men came. I remember that, Dex. Yeah, like years later. It took them a long time to get to where they were going to Jesus. I'm talking about when he's born. Amazing, you guys. Because we play soft music and we make it kind of romantic and cool, we kind of miss the point. The miraculous God become man came as a baby, besmirched of reputation, 
born in a backwater starts in an animal stall. This God, this one, no one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. That's my Jesus. The perfect picture of God. He takes my value systems and put them some upside down. And you, you know from that, you know what I know from that? What I know is this, he's got no pretension, none at all. He doesn't care about appearances, just about reality. Isn't that so different than us? We care more about presentation than reality. Yet he is so royal and so high and so amazing and so radical that our idea of royalty and wealth and riches are a joke. He pushes them aside and he comes as nothing and nothing who's everything. And, 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 and most importantly for you and I this morning, to people who are nothing, he does. That's this last piece, unwashed and undignified. We pick up the story again in Luke chapter 2, verse 8. In the same region, this is just the story, right? Now we're walking through Luke's story. He just pushes it all together. This is what it is. These things backed up against each other. The same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. Oh, and who hasn't sung a holy night or a silent night? There they are, right? And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger, and, 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 and then suddenly there's with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God, saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among whom he is well pleased. Okay, you understand, understand this. This is kind of important. Where did the angels appear? Not over the manger. Well, the whole host of heaven should show up and praise. Je- no, they're showing up miles away. Took him time to get to Jesus. To these shepherds. I mean, they could have appeared in every throne room in this small planet called Earth and announcing to the herald that the King of Kings had arrived, come worship him. This announcement party, this incredible truth, this amazing moment was sung to shepherds on the fields around Bethlehem. Don't miss that. Shepherds 2,000 years ago in Judea. Who are these folks? They're lucky if they can read. They probably didn't read. They're in the countryside. They're taking care of sheep. You're talking about, uh, they're not talking about philosophy or mathematics or theology. They take care of stupid sheep. Sheep are stupid, I'm told. Now someone's going to prove me wrong. But I've been told they wander, and you're most of the job is making sure they don't fall off the cliff. And, you know, one wants to go this way. You're always grabbing it and getting a dog to help you herd them around because they don't want to go where you want them to go. And, it doesn't take a degree. These are, um, they're, not, they're not being led by a young drummer. But rum bum 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 let's march to Jesus. They're unwashed. You didn't take showers. Poop in the bush. Live out in the field. Take care of the animals. Sit around and drink your grog. 
And all of a sudden, kaboom! In the sky. This is who God says he wants to talk to. Glory to God in the highest. So when the angels went away, where is the picture? Ah, nope. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. So they said, let's go look. And they went with haste and they found Mary and Joseph and they found Jesus lying in the manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been sent to them concerning the child. We got told this. Now the angels didn't appear to Mary and Joseph and scream this overhead with thousands of the hosts. They told it to these people that are like, nobody. Gathering around the most important child ever huddled in a dirty manger where the animals were kept with no lights or running water or anything like that. And they've come to say how amazing it is. They aren't angels or kings or or princes or rabbis, but hicks. Particularly important, particularly important. You never hear from them again. Man, if it, was, if it was modern American Christianity, we would have one of the shepherds up. Shepherd number five, come on up. And let me talk to me about how, you know, seeing Jesus change your life. And how then you started a ministry to go to around, around Jerusalem and help people who were poor because Jesus made you think you ought to try and be a better person. Because we care more about the effect of Jesus might have on me, because I'm so narcissistic, I'm looking at my navel all the time, than about the actual reality. It's about Jesus. You never hear from him again. What we should hear is receive the message, be amazed, worship, talk about it. Because it's so striking, it's so shocking. God to nobodies, he loves people who are nobodies. He he, he overcomes their sin, he forgives their sin. He's so incredible, this God. And he came as a nothing baby. Can you believe it, the king of heaven? So we came into this morning, I, I think you did with me, already realizing how important Jesus is. But, but my hope this morning was you would start to get a, a glimpse of how he's presented when he came. This is the Christmas story. What's one of the main emphases? And that is Jesus, God, came low in almost every respect. It's not a story of him starting low and gaining royalty somehow it's a story of him coming low being rejected staying an outcast dying on a cross as a criminal it is not batman begins look at the poor guy and he becomes better with training and then he comes back and fights crime it is god almighty saying your value systems are not what you think they are i'm come for you and i've got you all the way through The wonder and the hope is this Jesus right here in the Bible. No pretension, simple reality. He is the Savior. Nothing else matters. You don't bring gifts to him. He is the gift. You marvel that he loves the unlovely and the unworthy and the lowly and the nothings because that's us. And if you think you're not, oh, I got some law to introduce to you. This is what my hope is for you and me, that the people dwelling in darkness, that's me, that's you. We've seen a great light. The wonder of this and those dwelling in the region, the shadow of death, a light has dawned. This is the good news. Jesus Christ came. The light is unexpected and upside down and amazing, and it simply is. 
Oh, might we receive it this morning. Seemingly powerless and improper and insignificant and insufficient to people unwashed and undignified because he doesn't care. I'm so glad he doesn't care. Now, Jesus says stuff to us, right? He's going to say stuff later on. And, and, and think about this as we, as we come to a close. Even this morning, start thinking about the wonder of hope at Advent. You get things like this. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. That's Matthew 11. That's Jesus talking to take his yoke upon you. What is he talking? Man, I got I to get going with what Jesus says. No, his yoke, right? To realize that humility isn't a, a character trait. It's a reality. God to the lowly. Not to the wise and the wealthy. Not, to the, not that wealth and wisdom aren't good things on, on earth. They are. They just don't matter compared to the awesomeness of God himself. Jesus, he came to, to nothing, to nowhere, to nobody's. And if we see this, we know that to accept Jesus is to accept that we're right there. We're the, we're, we're the shepherds. We're, we're the people being announced to. We, we go and say, wow, we look what we get. We, we don't have anything else to give. We get the best gift ever. This is worthy of worship, worthy of praise, because nothing even holds a candle to the amazing upside-down God. He saves by his grace. He's a gift to you and me. And we've seen it. Jesus Christ experienced dependence for me. Jesus Christ experienced poverty for me. Jesus Christ experienced scandal for me. Jesus Christ, as the story goes, and it's a true story. It's not just a made-up story. Jesus Christ will die on a cross and suffer for me. And for you. This is not a go and do likewise. Jesus wasn't on a journey to start low and work his way up. He didn't come to lowly nowhere with dubious surroundings and grow to royalty. He came for you and I, nobody, because that's the amazing wonder of God's love for you and me. That's Christmas. Because the answer to all of it, the questions I put up, you know, you know, powerless and no. Not powerless. God's power. Well, improper, right? No, not improper. Perfect by God, done by the Holy Spirit. Well, insignificant, right? No, the most significant event you've ever heard in your life. Well, inadequate, right? No, exactly what God in heaven desired for his son. This isn't some like, oh, you know, it really wasn't very good, was it? This is God's glory. He does what he wants. We worship. God came for us. Jesus Christ, our fabulous hope, and trusting him, that's a work of the Spirit in us, because this is what we read this morning. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you might abound in hope. This morning is about Advent week one. That means it's about hope. Who's our hope? Well, my hope is in this Jesus who the Bible portrays and God has written down by the hands of different people about him. 
hope. He's the God of hope. Why? Because Jesus actually came. And then he fills me with all joy and peace. In what? In believing. In trusting. That's that word, right? Faith. Oh, a catch, Christian catch word. Faith. You've got to have faith. You gotta have, it just means trusting that the story's true. That he came and he did it and it's finished and it's done and it's awesome. So that by the power of the Holy Spirit, this is what the Holy Spirit is helping you do. People talk about the enabling of the Holy Spirit. He's not enabling you to somehow, you know, get some great thing that you can give to God. He's enabling you, the power of the Holy Spirit reminding you, this is the truth, this is the truth. I'm testifying to you, the Holy Spirit says, that, 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 that it's true. So what? So that you can abound in hope. To abound in hope is an amazing thing. And we'll end with this, but you've got to start working through this with me. Oh, this morning. We have a definition of hope in the Bible. You know what it is, right? Hebrews 11. It's talking about faith being the substance of things not seen. Well, hope is something you cannot see now. I hope in something. I have an insurance in something that's coming. I don't have it now. I'm trusting what Jesus is going to do. I have hope what's going to happen. It's an assurance because the promise is so strong, but it's in something that's coming. And so for me to abound in hope is to abound in that something great is coming. Something better is coming. Something's coming down the road. My hope is not now. It's not something I've already, already experiencing, already seeing. It's got to be something that's coming. So when I talk about the advent of hope, the coming of hope, Jesus is the coming of hope because by his promise we are saved. He did it and he says it worked for you. But it remains hope. Because why? That's what I'm trying to get to. Because you continue to experience in this world all this fallenness. I wish we could have testimonies the rest of the morning. I wish we could say, okay, we're going to send out three more hours here. And everyone's going to come up and give me three circumstances, three things that are happening in their life that stink, that aren't good. To you, you know, a broken relationship, a, 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 a kid that's out to lunch, a, a cancer that struck, um, 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 a horrible circumstance from the beginning of your life, and you've just had to carry it your whole life. These things happen over and over and all over in this fallen world because it, they happen to us sinners. They happen to us in this world that's fallen. People abuse us and mistreat us, and we abuse and mistreat other people. All these things happen, and in the midst of it, how in the world am I abounding in hope? Well, it's by the Holy Spirit. Okay, but that just sounds like magic. No, it's by the Holy Spirit talking to your heart about Jesus. How does that give me hope? Because he forgives all of it. And he promises that's coming when it's all done. And he came in this upside down fashion that nobody would choose to do, but God did to make sure you know his way is not the world's way. And today, this day, and all Christmas, I look at the Christmas child and say, God did it exactly as he wanted it. And Jesus has done it. It is finished was the cry. And we are forgiven forever. That's hope. He is not just a child who came. He is the God who comes. And the Advent is also about the second Advent when our Savior comes again. So he comes to you and me again, not as a baby, 
but as the king. And he adores you. Take that to the bank. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you are the gift to us. Thank you that by your promise and your word, what's written in this book, that it is finished. You have done it. Exactly as you said and exactly as you desired and you have all the power and it doesn't look like power to me, but I know it is because you say it in this book, Lord. And Father, I pray for these gathered here and us lowly ones that are gathered at your table today that we might have an abundance of hope by your Holy Spirit, not in our navel-gazing, not in our inward-looking, but in our upward-looking, in our trust of you and what you've said you've done and what you've said you will do. We trust you, Lord. Help us to believe. We thank you for sending your Son, and we worship you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.